I just sang the song. <laughs> I mean, you could do you "Live and Let Die." That was a uh, Bond theme, but you could it use was. the uh, I like the Guns and Guns Roses, and Roses yeah, version instead. Better, so it's like better. a slight attachment to it, you know. Uh, I, you got to do the writing on the wall. I mean, if we were doing like a James Bond episode of like. Let's talk about all the James Bonds instead of let's talk about Spectre. Then, then maybe I'd do. Well, sure. Like how we never followed up on the whole like battle royale of all the. <laughs> Don't remind the listeners of that, Alina. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, if we get called out at some point, I will. Welcome back to TMBC. Uh, we we got a full house today to talk about a, a fun little movie. I suppose we all saw, but first let's uh, let's introduce everybody. Starting over here on my left, on my left, that's me. That's you. What's up? It's me, Chase, as usual. I'm Alina. Been here before. She has. It's Kevin. I'm here again. Hooray! We've all been here before. How's it going, guys? It's going well. I'm enjoying being here in the uh, in the studio. The Watchtower. Yeah, El Watchtower Doro, as they say in Spanish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys not know that? <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we all saw Spectre this week, the, the 24th James Bond movie, right? The Tis. fourth to star Daniel Craig. Uh, what did uh, you guys think of it? Let's just go around the room and give some initial thoughts before we dive in. Well, um... We were fortunate enough to get the pre-screening passes to see Spectre, you know, before, before the general public got to. Sorry, you know, benefits of being in the media. Yeah, that's the only reason. But uh, so good thereafter that we've I've seen it three times so far. Jason, how many have you seen it? I've also seen it three times. I mean, I, I, I didn't see it three times for maybe the same reasons you did, but uh, I have seen it three times. How about Alina and Chase? How many times have you I've guys seen it? I've only seen it once. I only need to see it once. Yeah? Uh, I think it was good, but it wasn't like, I'm going to go see that two more times. Yeah. It's, like, why did you go see it two more times? For me, I went for, uh, well, A, the interest, but also the details. There, I think there's a lot of subtleties that the common moviegoer isn't going to notice. That's me. I missed like every single one of them. But like, uh, like how we talked about with Man from Uncle before, uh, when we went back to see Man from Uncle a few times, it was seeing all the interesting cars they have in the background and what sort of you know style cues they stuck in as just small details. That is true. Man from Uncle is a very watchable movie. I could I could rewatch that movie all day. There's a lot to go back and see if you just want to look at it from a different perspective. Uh, and this movie had a lot of that, especially if you are a James Bond fan of any of the previous incarnations, be they Craig, Dalton, Moore. Uh, Don't forget Lazenby. I'm. I wasn't gonna forget Lazenby. Good. And then everybody forgets Conrad. Lazenby. <laughs> so, which is a shame because his movie is arguably one of the best Bond movies. Definitely. On Her Majesty's Secret Canada. Service is awesome. I Bones. love that movie. I, I always forget that he was actually like the first recast of James Bond. Like he was the first one yeah. to take over for Connery. That's an unfortunate role to play. It's, it's tough for really, to follow up after the guy that defines who James Bond is, and totally, it's one of those things. Especially when, if you're an Aussie, yeah, not even a Brit. But uh, as, as far as this movie goes, I, I thought it was pretty decent. Um, 
you know, perhaps I'll give my opinion of it uh, last. Yeah. But. So I, I am curious. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started the show about the, uh, the theme, the, the writings on the wall as we played for the intro of the show. Now, I don't know about so so Alina. You said you liked the the song. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I had it stuck in my head for at least eight hours the day after I watched it. I see. I, I get that. Like because I have listened to the song probably like ten times since I've seen the movie. But for some reason, it was like I don't know. I thought it was weird in the movie. What what did? Yeah, it's kind of too like emotional for James Bond in a way. But yeah. it goes better with the like. It's better when view with the intro. Yeah, I I don't know. I felt like it was a little too slow for like where it came in and the the tone of like what was established right before that. Like, yeah, I don't know what what do you think of it, Chase? I don't know. I didn't think it really fit the whole vibe of like James Bond. I liked Skyfall a lot better that song. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it, that fit I the movie better. One this one is it's a good song, but you think one Sorry, of what? I interrupted you. No, I interrupted you. Uh, one of the main reasons I liked it is because we saw um, Sam Smith was on the Graham Norton show mm-hmm. with uh, some of the James Bond cast and like kind of introed the song and sang it and said like I'll, gave background to it, which made it more interesting to me. He was so he wrote the song from the perspective of James Bond. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, sort of. So what they ended up doing, um, they had a few uh, singers and uh, bands that were able to take a crack at making a song, but they gave them all a copy of the script, let them read through it, and then come up with whatever song they felt. Um, And so basically Sam Smith put it together um, just in the background, just got it done from what he could read from the script and what he saw as important themes. Uh, he did kind of foreshadow the entire movie in the song, or at least the theme of the movie. For sure, he, he foreshadowed it in this in a uh, you know in a in a way that after you've seen the movie now you go oh wow he put a lot in there. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, hindsight being twenty twenty, he put a lot in, uh, and they seem to like the theme of his better than everybody else's. But he only recorded the song once and uh, sent it off, and that's that's what we have in the trailer. Yeah, and, and everything now. It's just one version of it. I kind of, I don't know. I kind of have a problem with his like weird shift between like super like uh, whatever they call that when he's like falsetto. super. Yeah, there we go. Super falsetto to like that insanely high pitch. No, oh, that was falsetto. that's falsetto. Okay, yeah. to the whatever else it is that he does for the the main chorus. Yeah, I don't know. I. It's a weird, it's a weird thing because like with Adele, I think with Adele it fit because I mean, a she was a woman, so it wasn't like that straight up like, oh yeah, this is James Bond talking. But at the same time, she kind of does have that loud and booming sort of presence with her voice. Whereas with Sam Smith, when he goes in that really high pitch, you kind of like, I don't know, it was weird and off-putting. It didn't, it didn't feel like Bond to me. But at the same time, I have listened yeah. to the song like ten times since I saw the movie. So. Well, it's much less Bond than like the Casino Royale theme. I love that theme. That one's so good. That's. Probably my favorite Bond theme, like it, especially because where it fits into the the movie, it just kicks you right in the face. Right yeah. as uh, right as Bond kills a dude, you know, you're just like, oh yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is back. Bond's back, baby. That that was probably one of the best ones uh, there has been. Totally. Well, and that combined with the credit sequence, like the the visuals on it and that whole you know playing on the yeah. the cards and the symbols or whatever. What would you think of the credit sequence in general on this one? On this one, it was very. Um, if I were to put any uh, 
anything that seemed similar, it would have been the intro scene from Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Uh, that, interestingly enough, Daniel Craig is also in. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely a different sort of theme than you've seen from uh, previous Daniel Craig uh, intros. But there were a lot of throwbacks to old Bond movies in there uh, throughout the credit sequence. And uh, throughout the movie, really. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, I think, was one of the main themes of the entire movie was harking back to all, uh, I guess, plenty of shticks and plenty of things that we've come to expect from lots of Bond movies in the past. You know, I, like um, the uh, uh, Christoph Waltz is the... Blofeld. Uh, well, no, you've just given that away. Well, I mean, anyone anyone listening to a podcast about Spectre has probably seen Spectre or doesn't care if it's spoiled. So Franz Oberhauser or Ernst Stavro Blofeld, you look at the clothes that he wears, That's it's just a clear hark back to the first Bond movie, Dr. No, yeah. and what Dr. No wears. You know, same thing with him putting up his prisoners uh, as guests in his home. Uh, lays out clothes for them to wear, invites them to a social encounter yep. uh, with them, you know, that sort of thing. Well, yeah, and the whole, I mean, it felt very homage you know. He, like, not only just the, what inevitably happens in every Bond movie of him getting, like, strung up in some elaborate torture chair and, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the remote bases, you know, like Mr. White's remote base in the mountains somewhere and then, you know, Blofeld's base in the desert somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. it was all very... Very steeped in James Bond lore, I felt like. Yeah. But. You know, there's also the fight scene on the uh, train. Yes. Which yeah. has happened before in From Russia with Love, and they cut the music on that scene, just like they did back in the old one in From Russia with Love. Yeah. Pretty interesting. I know, it, it did feel like a lot of, like, almost fan service with the movie, where they were trying to be like, oh, hey, real Bond fans, check this out. Yeah. But we, I mean, as far as Bond fans go, though, we kind of have a full range of Bond experience in this room. Um, Chase, you said, which? how many Bond movies have you seen? Like three. Like three? I've seen um, almost all the Daniel Craig ones, except for Quantum of Solace. Solace? Solace. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I've seen one of the Brosnan ones. Like Goldeneye, maybe? No. Or no, because no, no, uh, you said you didn't. Let, no. The Halle Berry one? Yeah. Is that is that living let die another day? Die, die another, another day. day yeah, yeah. I, I saw that one a long time ago, and that's the first Bond movie yeah. I've ever seen. So like, when, for me, that's who Bond is because I, I gold, uh, grew up playing Goldeneye. Yeah, with a as I think on the N sixty four. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's just Bond to me. But yeah, I don't know. I haven't I'm seen too many though. I'm kind of kind of want to go watch all these old ones now. I've I been know. looking up all the the info on them and all the bad guys and stuff and all the films. Yeah, and all the different bonds and stuff, and I'm like, oh, this looks really interesting. I went, so I went and legitimately purchased every, almost every Bond movie after I saw Spectre because it did kind of make all me want to go back. Almost all of them, not like the bad ones. Like I only have one Brosnan one, which is Goldeneye, um, and I only have a couple of Roger Moore ones. But what are you saying? Well, Bro- you- all Brosnan movies suck. All of them, but Goldeneye kind of well, have a bad rap. At least so, I, I've, I haven't seen them, so I don't know. So the, every Bond has their own sort of style to him i mean uh so timothy dalton is much more of a daniel craig sort of bond very you know dark very gritty doesn't say Post you know, jason Bourne. yeah which is he, why he make, would have been a great villain in skyfall just saying but uh, he's he didn't have nearly as much humor and fun and joviality and audiences didn't react to it as well back then yeah and so when 
Pierce Brosnan came on, they really laid on all his double entendres and his jokes and his quips and his gadgets and stuff like that. I remember the gadgets. Yeah. It's like he's and that's like what that just came to define James Bond of sure, of course he has watch, watches that shoot lasers that can cut through things and he has you know, underwater underwater breathing apparatuses and invisible has cars. invisible cars and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. I thought I mean, that was dope, dude. I was like 12. I was like, oh, James Bond is so cool. And so, but then eventually it sort of becomes a parody of itself. Yep. And, you know, you have to reset at some point. And that was, I think Brosnan gets a lot of, uh, you know, short end of the stick on that one that he had just happened to be Bond at the time when September 11th happened. He happened to be Bond when yep. they just done the same things and had to keep on re-upping themselves with their gadgets and their explosions and their you know, antics and stuff. And so I, I think he's rather great. He's the, you know, epitome of suave when mm-hmm. it comes to James Bond. I quite like uh, Pierce Brosnan. I wish we could have gotten one or two more out of him. I like him too, yeah. I mean, it was nice seeing, like, the November Man and having him sort of play yeah. the same role again. Um, but, Alina, how many how many Bond movies have you seen? Probably seen, like, seven or eight. Not I've seen all the Daniel Craig ones multiple times, and mm-hmm. then I've seen, like, Goldfinger, Goldeneye, um, I think Die Another Day. Okay. Yeah, there's... And then, Kevin, you've seen all of them, right? All of them, yes. You've you've been a bit of an avid James Bond fan for as long as I've known you, which is my whole life. <laughs> for a decent time, yeah. Yeah. I uh, so I mean, as far as as far as what was appealing, because I I do like that. Like for me, I've seen all the Daniel Craig ones, and then Goldeneye, and Honor, Majesty's Secret Service, and then From Russia with Love forever ago. Um, but I I think that it's especially for this movie, a movie that is so steeped in fan service. It's kind of interesting to get the, uh, you know, I guess what, what things stood out to each of us in, in terms of our, you know, the establishment that we have in James Bond, you know, in, in previous movies and what we thought of this movie as a whole. Um, but what, what were some of the things that stood out to you most, you know, in a, in a good or, or in a bad way, whoever has something right off the top? So to <laughs> me, I thought, um, I mean, I liked just all the callbacks, but from just a n- normal movie going uh, perspective, the globe trotting was pretty impressive. Um, and I, I think it just gets lost in the back of my mind. Um, I forget how many places he went. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts in Mexico. He comes back to London. Then he goes uh, off to Switzerland. Rome. Or, he goes oh, to Rome, Rome. for yeah, the funeral. Right. And then for the meeting. Then thereafter, he goes to Al- uh, Altus. And then he goes to... Uh, Switzerland to the clinic. Yeah. And then he goes... In Austria? I can't remember. I, anyway, yeah. it might have been um, Austria. Who knows? Yeah, I think it was Austria. Yeah, was it was Austria. Uh, and then he goes to... Let's see. Uh, he goes to L'America, which is in uh, Turkey, I think. Or where Where was that? The hotel. I'm not sure, actually. I can't remember where L'America was. Anyway, then I'll he goes to Morocco to uh, the secret base and then goes back to London again. Yeah, there was there was I mean, a whole lot of traveling all That's over what, the place. You don't realize that during the movie because I I didn't realize that he's gone all over the world because they don't actually show him like yeah on a plane or like well they show him on a train, but I don't know they don't show a lot of the traveling. Yeah, so that's kind of weird. Yeah, they don't. As far as so I'm looking at the mm. filming locations right now. They had Mexico City, Mexico, um, Southern Australia, um, Rome and Lazio, Italy, uh, Tangier, Morocco, uh, and again in Austria, again in Morocco, again in Austria. UK, um, and then some more reshoots in Morocco. I think so, yeah. Americana's in Tangier. 
In Tangier? Yeah. You're probably right. Yep. Tangier, Morocco. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Totes. Totes my goats. Um, what you, so one thing that, that stood out to me is like, as they were changing locations, it felt like every location change had like a jarring sort of, especially like when we saw it in IMAX, you know, they go from, from Morocco to Austria or whatever. And it's like really dark screen. And then all of a sudden all this snow all over and like the bright imagery. Was that something you guys liked as far as like the, the change or like the hard shift in, in color and tone between the locations or was it something that that you didn't like? For me, I kind of hated it. That's just me, but. I don't know. Did you guys have any thoughts on that, or is that something that you just don't even the harsh care cut about? scenes were? Um, uh, you noticed them. It was hard to watch and not realize that you went through a big cut scene. And it seemed like it was a way for them to divide the movie up into sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think, like what Chase was saying, you don't realize that they're he's going to all these different places because you know from the uh, Mister White's cabin over to the uh, the clinic. Yeah. It just seems like it's just a natural progression sort of thing. You don't realize it's two separate spots because, you know, oh, it's snowy. Oh, it's whatever. Yeah. You know, but it seems like they use that to say, this is a new day. It's not like he picked immediately up right after that. You know, he James Bond slept at some point, I guess. He doesn't sleep. James Bond doesn't sleep. He's like justice. How many hours of sleep a night do you guys think that James Bond gets? Four. Zero. Zero. Depends on if he hit the bar. That's fair. I'm I'm saying probably yeah right around maybe four or five, then he wakes up with some sort of PTSD or something I don't know. No, I think he gets seven. You think he gets seven? Double seven. <laughs> Original James Bond would get uh, seven and a half hours of sleep and wake up at five thirty in the morning. Is that like a, a fact that was established or something? To take a cold shower, then a Ugh. scalding hot, then a cold shower, you know, and then finally to cold, go to cold again. Why is that? Like, he, why uh, why go cold hot cold? I don't know. That was is that just like James some Bond. sort of skin thing, or is that just like a weird like that's just he, what he does? He just liked uh, going through the severe temperatures and his shower, and then he would do his fifty push-ups and uh, hundred sit-ups in the morning. You are to James After Bond what Colbert is to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit of a yeah. You're a James Bond savant. Mm. Is that a so? Is that you a mean, movie? You mean I'm a double O savant? <laughs> that's that's okay. That's that's decent. Yeah. yeah. Um. Is that in the movies or is that just no, in the books? The books. The books? The books. Is that Fleming books or is that Fleming. like someone else? Okay. Okay, I'll I'll take that then. Um, Did you read all the books? Mm-hmm. All of them? Mm-hmm. Like oh, wow. every there's single 15 one Bond books, yeah. Oh, uh, is that just by Fleming or just by Fleming? Yeah. Then there's several thereafter. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, they have like the young Bond books, and then they've they've commissioned tons of our authors for like mm-hmm. con- continuation books or whatever. Yeah. Have um, you read any of those? I've read, I've read quite a few of those. Yeah, they're they're decent. I mean, going and reading the Fleming books are rather good because Ian Fleming actually worked for uh, MI6 when he was, yeah. you know, he worked for MI6 during the war. Dude, you know everything about James Bond. <laughs> you are, you're like a super fan. Well, wasn't the so, character of Bond based on somebody that Fleming knew? Yes. In the so there was, there was a spy. So Fleming worked as an basically an assistant to an equivalent of M. Okay. So M was so modeled, he was money penny. M was modeled after his own boss. Yeah, essentially. And there was a spy who he handled the paperwork and logistics with, and so he would see all the details of a lot of his missions and adventures. That's got to be fun. So it's it true. All Plus, he also true. knew exactly. Moonraker. Totally. You true. saw. Um, uh, shoot, what was that movie? I. Uh, the World War Two movie. With, oh yeah, that one. Um. Oh my gosh. 
That one World War Two movie. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. Oh, the imitation uh, game. Yes. So he and Fleming was aware of that as well. Oh, wow. So in the From Russia with Love, there's... So he knew of Alan Turing and all that stuff. Yes. And the, so in From Russia with Love, there's the premise that MI6 has gotten a hold of one of the encryption machines that's being used by the Russians, uh, which is exactly like what happened with the Enigma machine. Uh, and it had to come across on train, and they had to get it, you know. Okay. So That's cool. He pulls a lot from it, so his books are rather insightful because he just takes actual stories, you know, cuts out 20% of them, and then fills in with whatever he wants to for his stories, and they become fantastic. Interesting. Now, really, really quick side James Bond question. As far as the take on Thunderball, do you think that Thunderball was better or Never Say Never Again? Thunderball's better. You think Thunderball's better? I haven't seen either. I don't, I don't. Well, Never Say Never Again is not really an actual James yeah, Bond film. because it was done by the company because they had the rights because Thunderball was co-authored with, uh, what's his yeah. face, Kevin McClary or whatever. Yeah, now, Thunderball the movie is nowhere near as good as Thunderball the book, which okay. it's very not based on. <laughs> yeah. So, Thunderball the book is a better story that has yet to be made. Ah, Think you think maybe they'll do that with with one of the new ones? Who knows? They may at some point. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's true. Although there are already two movies based on it. So, um, anyway, so were there were there like I know for Chase, you probably have the most I guess negative opinion on the movie in the room. What were some of the things that stood out to you as you know that you didn't like or that that kind of took you out of it? I don't know. I'm not a big Bond film uh, fan, so when I was watching it. I didn't get, like, all the references. Mm -hmm. And for me, watching the movie, I didn't really understand what was going on, like, the whole time. I didn't know why. Oh, because you haven't seen Quantum either, have you? Yeah, I haven't seen Quantum. Uh, And uh, I don't know. I've only seen the other two once, each on their release. Mm -hmm. So I saw Casino Royale when it came out in 2006, a long time ago. And uh, I saw Skyfall two years ago, probably with you. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I've never – I don't really remember much from them. Uh, But, yeah – I don't know. I just didn't follow it very well. Like, when they went to the desert, I can't remember why yeah. or how they got that info or why he was going from place to place. I mean, I do kind of, but I don't know. For me, it was just hard to follow. Yeah, That was one of the big risks with this storyline that they went with, is that it uh, it, it required, it required you to know the three previous movies, but most crucially, I think, to all of them was Quantum. Yeah, which, and I, I've only seen Quantum once. Which, strangely, was hardly mentioned in the movie. I mean, they didn't talk about Green hardly at all. No. His picture pops up a couple times, and that's about it. But in Quantum, there's a terrorist organization that's having meetings, trying to coordinate things. You see Mr. White, who transitions across Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, and so he's an existing character you, sh- you know, you're supposed to already know, but if you didn't see Quantum... You don't realize why he's important at all or yeah. what the, his <laughs> I didn't is. follow any of it. So, yeah, you're lost, and which is unfortunate because if I were to say just on the movies itself, if there's one Daniel Craig Bond to miss, it's Quantum of Solace, and I think that's the one yeah. most people have missed. Yeah, I heard that was never that good, so that's why I never went and saw it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an okay movie. You weren't going to go there and say, ah, oh, it was stupid, but you weren't going to walk out and say, hey, you should go see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it once in theaters and just didn't didn't really love it, and that's that's the only Daniel Craig movie that I've only watched once. I've seen Casino Royale and Skyfall at least five or six times a piece. 
Yeah, I'm going to go back and watch them all. I know, seriously. I, I bought the Daniel Craig collection from, from Walmart the other day, 15 bucks. I actually oh, wow. did buy that one. Wow. Um, you bought it before yes, yeah. Spectre came out? I bought it after Spectre came out. I mean... Before you it comes it out on DVD. Spectre. Oh yeah, without so Spectre. Yeah. Technically, it's not. Complete. So once it comes out, you bought the almost Daniel Craig collection. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was fifteen bucks. Like fifteen bucks for three movies on Blu-ray. They all have special features. Like, I mean, why not? Oh, fair enough. You know. Um, so you're gonna buy the other one once it comes out with all four movies? Maybe, or maybe I'll just buy the the fourth one and they'll just be next to each other and it'll look really stupid, but. That's you know. what I have with the X-Men. Exactly. I have the same thing yeah, with the, the X-Men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have like the full X-Men collection up to, uh, up to the Wolverine, and then Days of Future Past came out, and so it's like this big X-Men thing right here. And then I think we both bought the limited edition Yeah, so Days it's actually bigger Past. than the other one. Yeah, like this one movie takes up like this much room, and then the other seven or whatever like take up like half the room. He's doing sizes yes, with his fingers. You can see. Yeah, well, that's why I said it, said half the size. Like it's, it's it, whatever. Yeah. All right, back, it's back, annoying. back to James Bond. It's annoying. Um... So I mean, what what were some of the the roles and characters that you guys liked in uh, in the movie? Sorry, what were you about to say, Alina? Oh, never mind. Go ahead. No, you were about to say something. If we were still going around on things that we didn't like, yes, in the please. Movie, I didn't like the torture scene just because it seemed wildly ineffective for what it was. <laughs> That's true. You're right on that. You were talking about that earlier, so, so kind of explain your thoughts on that. So the whole thing is that they're drilling into his brain to kind of screw with his mind. And they're like, oh, we're going to mess with your inner ear so your balance will be off and your depth perception and all of that. And he doesn't have any side effects from that, from what we can tell throughout mm. the whole rest of the movie, even like the second he gets up from the chair. Um as like and that's also true with the like oh you're gonna forget faces it doesn't affect him at all and i can see like oh you'll miss this if we only hit this tiny piece of your brain then it will work yeah we're just kind of experimenting but it seems like there should be some ill effect at some point yeah that that was like yeah because he just he just gets right out of that torture chair and starts shooting people and and running and being effective and yeah but he's james bond so but, yeah. like, this one was way less affecting, even yeah. though they were drilling into his brain than, like, Casino <laughs> Royale was. Well, I'm yeah. sure he had a headache for the rest of the movie, but... Probably. Well, like, <laughs> but, like, you watch Casino Royale, yeah, and he's got that, that thing, like, when he, when he gets poisoned or whatever, you know, and he has to go out and do the defibrillator. Like, for, for a little while after that, he's, like, stumbling around and, like, barely staying on, and especially yeah. after he gets tortured. Yeah. Does like, he get tortured in every movie? Yeah. That's kind of a like trope a at this point, yeah. He always gets strapped to, like, some chair or device or something. Yeah, it's like what well, Austin Powers always made fun of him. It's exactly. Like, I'm going to hide you over here, and then you're going to escape somehow. Yeah. So it's Well, and that's, yeah, like, Kingsman alluded to that, too, and he's like, yeah. you're going to, you know, I'm going to come up with some elaborate and convoluted way of killing you, and then you're going to come up with another equally, you know, convoluted way of escaping. Like, and well, then, they even you know, reference James Bond in oh, the movie. Yeah. Talk about, about that, them. so they're actually talking about that, not yeah, just no, referencing. Totally. They're actually well, talking yeah. about it. Yeah, but I mean, they did things that you know aren't in James Bond, like his nemesis is actually his brother. <laughs> oh wait a minute! Oh yeah, <laughs> I just made that one come true as well. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, that's I know that that part. What did you guys think of that? The whole Oberhausen being his brother and like all that. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Or I mean, sort of brother, I guess. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know much about Bond, so it's like you were saying you don't like it how they actually told like James Bond's 
past, yeah. child's story. So I didn't. I don't really know, so I don't really care. So did, so did you think that was a that was a good story element? Like, did you like that? Or? I don't think it was good. I don't think it was bad. It was, I don't, I really didn't think that much of it because it's like, oh yeah. I thought it was good to explain, like, why he had been building up this vendetta against him the whole time. Like, otherwise it'd be like, why do you care about James Bond so much? Yeah. I think if the whole thing, all the movies, the Daniel Craig movies, all three of the previous ones, all lead up to this moment, Mm -hmm. I I thought it was that kind of anticlimactic. Really? Because that's what I got from it. It was like, all these movies all lead up to this. Yeah, because he was like And then what actually happened in the movie was like, like, that's it? Yeah. Like... He blows up and then has to save his girlfriend. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that's true. I, I didn't, I didn't find the like, I don't know. I didn't find the climax of it to be overly satisfying. Yeah, but, and he like blows up the place, right? Yeah, the old MI6 headquarters. No, the Secret Service. Uh, no. Oh, his base. The surveillance. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The Secret Surveillance place out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. Which is like James Bond blows it up like one of the like yeah it's, a, it's the largest it's the largest practical explosion that's ever been put on film yeah how did he blow that whole place up like what did he do I think he hit the power tank thing like the generator and it blew the entire place Just had up. a chain reaction I guess I, yeah I don't know I was kind of like I watched yeah, that I, was like, I feel like how did that happen this is his biggest nemesis his like old brother that killed his you know yeah uh, dad not his own dad but James Bond's like adopted, adopted dad yeah yeah. And he just blows up his place in like two seconds. He was like, well, that was easy. Leaves after getting drilled in the head. Yeah. Messed with that didn't actually work. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't too impressed with this whole movie. I, I don't so, know how you feel. Well, they went out of their way to make it work. You know, like, um, so in the in the original books, the, the movies never went into it before, like the Connery ones. But, yeah. Um, Bond's parents, you know, did die in a climbing accident. He did have temporary guardianship. Um, were those Fleming books or were those? Those were Fleming books. Okay. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, so that's established. Then later on in some other books, it was established that, you know, he was taught how to rock climb and do all this sort of thing by his adoptive dad for, you know, with temporary guardianship. Um, but not much thereafter. And so if you want, if you're the James Bond team, you know, writing these movies and you want to mm-hmm. bring back a classic villain and you also want to delve into his story and you want to try and weave these. It's it's a way to do it, but having to try and intertwine that with, you know, the way they did where uh, you blow up his base, then he puts you into the MI6 building that's being demolished and then you got to chase his helicopter down. It was weird, yeah. It, it just felt like, it felt like they weren't building to each other. It felt like the most climactic moment happened at the base. Yeah. And then after that, it was just sort of like this messy, weird cleanup. You know, I mean, there was like a yeah. the little bit of drama when Blofeld's standing there and he shoots him through the glass or whatever and have sort of the reveal of his face or whatever. But then after, like, after that, it's just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I actually insane. thought that he died like, yeah. in the explosion. I was like, and then he had the, they had to go fight the other bad guy, which was the, the mole that yeah. he had in the MI6. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I, yeah, I mean like, it's it's following the rule of three of action movies where you know the villain back. the villain you know basically comes and attacks the hero three different times. Um, but it just like it, I don't know, it felt like yeah, too 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 climactic and then not climactic enough for the final you know defeat or whatever. I, I wish Blofeld had gotten away. Yeah, I wish there had been some way for him to escape. I, I kind of do too. You know, he, well, he, he survived, so shoot, yeah, he still has a chance to get away. But yeah, it's like true. clearly he gets arrested. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Which was dumb because like he's in his helicopter and he's getting shot down and he he kind of just sits there and he looks really like at the beginning he's really intimidating and by that scene which not much has happened with him and he becomes like just, really just belittled yeah. yeah like like oh no I'm gonna yeah he just looks mm-hmm. like a wimp yeah it's true but I do like that they had the scar because that was cool I don't know much about James Bond but I do know that Doctor Evil from Awesome Powers <laughs> was based off well, yeah. yeah. That, Every that guy. So when I saw the eye, I noticed the clothes, and I was like, "Oh, that's that guy." Yeah, it was based off of pretty much whatever. every Bond villain has some sort of face disfigurement, you know. Well, and that's just one of those things. It goes back to the original, you know, Ernst Stavro Blofeld with the mm-hmm. scar on his face, and it's just become one of those staples of James Bond. And like, so this one is sort of like a meta Bond film. It's just so into itself, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just sitting there in a circle jerking itself off. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it was going for. And I think that's, you know, that's exactly why they had him survive that one. And like you see when he throws the watch under his chair when he's doing the drilling and stuff. Yeah. Like when Blofeld falls to the floor, there's like blood that sprays that, out from his I face. I didn't notice that the first watching, but the second time oh, when really? you see him, yeah, he falls to the face and there's like this blood splatter right from his eye. It's like a cat's just shrapnel across his like, face. Oh. And so there's just like, oh, I didn't notice. Blood smear on I just saw him fall over it and then yeah. he ran out. That's I how like, I saw the first time too. And then the second time, and it's a white floor too. And so you clearly just see that, like when you actually notice it, you just see this blood splatter. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Another, so, another really cool one, um, like a really nice touch was when uh, Bond's in MI6 that's about, you know, as he's going looking for uh, um, looking for Blofeld. Mm-hmm. And he shoots at him and hits the glass. Oh. He shoots five times, and you see the crackling of the glass makes an octopus shape. Yeah, I did see that. that was pretty I noticed cool. that, and I was like, every like every time I see it, I, I like try to count and be like, oh, is that like, a, are there eight little cracks there? I can't quite tell, but I was like, well, it's a little bit too specific for it not to be an homage and just to be an accident. So I was like, yeah, it's probably there. I was trying to figure that out. Like every time I watched it, I was like, "Is it or isn't it?" Speaking of homages, there, I do like the three-minute timer that uh, Blofeld gives Bond, just like uh, callback to Goldeneye. Trevlin gave Bond and Goldeneye. Yep. Yeah, and really, Bond gave Trevlin yep. as well. It's a nice little, nice little circling around there. What were you going to say, Chase? I, I missed all that. Oh, but I was going to ask you, since you're such the Bond um, expert. Uh, Blofeld, in the original one, you know, the first two, you don't see his face. Mm-hmm. I read this off the internet. <laughs> the one when you first see his face, he's bald with the scar, uh-huh. and then they recast him, and he doesn't have the scar anymore. What's up with that? So he goes through um, basically plastic surgery. Uh-huh. To, so Blofeld will go through different identities, and they'll have, like, progression. And if you ever saw Die Another Day, there was that... Uh, that guy with the the diamond acne on his face. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, cool. Like where they've got he's got progression pictures of what he first looked like and what he looks like and what they want him to look like in the end and he goes through the process. That same thing happens with Blofeld's, you know, several years beforehand where he's trying to change his look so that people don't know who he is. And he can just so get he away. changes from like three different ugly old men. Yeah, basically, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice way to get around, you know, recasting the guy. That's but true. I okay. So, and this is this is something I've I've talked about a little bit with with Chase and with with you two as well. I kind of hate like so. I've always been, I guess, not always, but ever since I've kind of heard of it, I've been a little bit of a um, subscriber to the theory that every you know that there are multiple 007s and that every person assigned 007 is given the name James Bond. 
Um, and it was, you know, that was furthered by when I started hearing all the the rumors and leaks about the original Skyfall story, well, where, um, you know, basically Skyfall Ranch or Skyfall Headquarters in Scotland, whatever it is, the safe house basically is that it was where, you know, if MI6 were to be blown up or, or you know, um, were to be uncovered as far as, like, the agents and everything, that the double O's would meet at Skyfall, and that's kind of where they would regroup and, and plan or whatever. Um, and so in the original script, the character for Skyfall, the character of Kincaid, was actually going to be Sean Connery, and they were going to allude to him being a 007, and then the actual villain, the guy who um, Javier Bourdem, you know, ended up playing was originally going to be one of the former Bonds like Timothy Dalton or, or Pierce Brosnan. And so like that, like that, that kind of theory has always been something that has like been really cool in my head. And I like the idea of, cause then you can watch all of the Bond movies in a straight continuity and go, okay, all of this stuff happened in the same world and the same timeline and everything. And it's just, you know, each Bond is a new person and, and, but it's still Bond. And so then with Sam Mendes' movies, both Skyfall and Spectre, he, you know, basically shatters all of that illusion and, and gives you a full, like, oh, yeah, this is James Bond's origin, and this is how he grew up, and he, he lived in this house. And, and then the name Skyfall doesn't even make sense at that point. But anyway, um, but, yeah, like, I don't know, all the Oberhausen. For me, it just, it kind of, I don't know, I hate it because I like thinking that that theory is true. You, but. like, you want it all to be one yeah, uh, I want it to be all one one timeline that you can just watch all these movies and know that all this stuff has happened in each movie. Jason ah. just wants timeline porn. He yeah. just basically like look at it. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to have. Sense. I want to have a Bond movie at some point where it's Bond fighting Bond with Bond against Bond. Like it's just it's all these. I think that would kind of ruin together. like like I was saying earlier. I think that would kind of ruin the whole Bond vibe. You know, I think they, it would they revalidate got their, it. They've got their own like little weird system it's, where they recast and then they redo old movies well, yeah but that or, kind of explains like oh well, they they still haven't redone any of them yeah i mean well, they've, they've, made re, homage, they've redone blowfield so they can't just bring him back and be like oh this is a different guy i mean they could there was another one exactly like it they could well because yeah he, he he isn't originally named blowfeld is the thing like this new guy isn't originally named blowfeld he takes on that name so maybe the original blowfeld is is part of his mother's family tree and all that stuff so yeah, I mean, you could stretch there's, it. I don't know. I don't, been, I don't think it would work. So, if you can name any other series aside from Doctor Who that's recast the main character and gotten away with it, you know, I can't think of hardly any that have ever done that successfully where a fan still kept with it. Yeah, but but you also think about the yeah. quality. Well, but you also think about the quality of franchises that have to keep recasting. You know, none of them are of the quality of Doctor Who or James Bond. That, that's that's what I mean. Is when you're when you have a character that's this good and a fan base that likes it that much, recasting it is very difficult. For sure. And so the way that they've gone about doing it has kind of been to just ignore the fact. Yeah, you know? that's what I was thinking. Well, too. that's the thing is like I I wouldn't even like I wouldn't even care if they ever do like make reference to Bond being a title. Um, I just like I I kind of hate that that illusion is now shattered. You know, like that mm. I that I can't keep thinking that. Or well, I mean I do, but. That he doesn't want me to keep thinking that, and so he establishes as much as possible that, oh, this is where James Bond grew up, and this guy knew him when he was a kid, and all that. Like, I don't know. I Honestly, don't know. I think your idea of having James Bond and, like, having the same character, like, mm-hmm. being passed down and, like, having the same kind of personality almost. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the other movies, so... But I'm guessing he has kind of the same... He's a, you know, suave, womanizer, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, spy guy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it would work trying to pass down that 
it, like, it would be an interesting be different idea. people, and they'd all yeah. have their own names, so they're not originally James Bond. Well, but they do. Kinda I mean, ruins the whole James. They've Bond. talked about it before, where all the agents, and I mean, even pretty much all the double O agents have a very similar personality because that's the type of person they they attract for that program. Because they don't have it, they don't you know they don't keep attachments that make them weak or aren't supposed to. But really, that's what ends up getting James Bond every time is that he does. Um, but you know they they don't they don't keep attachments. They are kind of womanized because they're detached because they don't have any family or, or really friends to speak of. And so I mean it would kind of fit you know because they all have a little bit of a twist on the same type of yeah. mold. I mean, but, as you say, it it could work mm-hmm. you know, and I think Craig's Bond makes the illusion in Casino Royale. Yep. Um, where when M says, you know, I promoted well, you too early, and he says, well, it's, as I understand it, double O's have a short life expectancy, so your mistake will be short-lived. Exactly. So it's assumed, you know, and in the books as well, it's, you know, it's not like there's always, like, double O one through nine. There's always one of those guys. It's just whatever number they have available to assign a double O. So when somebody dies, somebody else can become 007 as their categorization. Yeah, exactly. You know, whether the names go along with that or not, who knows? But I think they're the way they've gone about doing it is just saying, you know, in a sense, the audience is in on it with us. You know, they they know that Daniel Craig isn't the first Bond and he's not going to be the last one. And we're all OK with that. We don't even have to uh, make mention of it. You know, yeah. I, so I, what what do you prefer, like, as being uh, the continuity, like actual you know, one timeline or? Well, I, I've just I'm a fan of Doctor Who and of James Bond. So I've seen it from both sides where. Doctor Who has huge continuity porn. You know, you get to, you know, enjoy from the first Doctor all the way now to the twelfth Doctor, and you know, yeah, you he's just where an they alien, all, and they can yeah, and they interact all the time. You can you know cross their paths and everything all over. But with James Bond, this isn't sci-fi. You know, you can't uh, have the first Bond visit the seventh Bond and make this work out. They, you know, like they can in Doctor Who. Yeah. So I'm kind of okay with the idea that James Bond is kind of just this care, this personality. You know, it's James Bond is just the person that is suave, British, dresses well, has gadgets, drives cars, likes drinking uh, martinis, and enjoys gambling. That whole combination of character is what James Bond is, and whether there's a timeline continuity or not, it doesn't matter. Whether it's, you know, a white guy or a black guy, it doesn't really matter. Whether it's, you know, in the 50s or if it's in, you know, the 21st century, it doesn't matter. It's just, if you're that guy, you're the guy that likes to gamble, drink, and, you know, womanize, then... They're basically just telling Bond stories. Yes. Exactly. In, like, uh, like small little, like, um, not like trilogies, but, like, sets. Yeah. Uh, with the actor. Yeah. And I if- mean, that makes sense to me. I've always seen James Bond is like, oh, they just change it and tell stories and everybody enjoys it. Yeah, and if there's a few timeline mistakes or a few things that don't quite, you know, blend in so well, they're okay with that. You know, we're not going to address it. You don't mention it. We won't have to go through it and we can all just enjoy the stories and play like everything's fine. Yeah. I don't know. I just, you know. I know. You're disappointed. You just want everything to make sense. I want it all. I want it all. I just you want can't it all just to be ignore connected. it. Remember how most of this stuff, like James we, Bond, can't be Doctor Who. Okay, I just you know, it's like I like I like the whole idea of just like yeah, mantles being passed on and and all that stuff. It's I think it comes That's from like you my like love of comic books. Yeah. man. Yeah, I love it because it's like, like yeah, the there's flash, been four flashes. Yeah, uh, they just you know, pass it down. Maybe you can just start believing that James Bond is a Time Lord. 
and he can just regenerate and become a new person. I suppose I could. I could. I could do the Abed there method. You now just you can enjoy it. <laughs> um, yeah. So is there? So so we've kind of talked about some of the things that bugged us. Um, what about the things that you really liked and, and stood out to you in a positive way from this movie? Chase, what was your favorite part? My favorite part had to be, um, you know, Bond's like over the top with action sequences. Uh, they had a really good one where he pretty much goes sledding in a plane <laughs> and he chases down like a car. Somehow he gets a plane really fast and flies next to it and he kind of like chases them down and has this like fight off from plane to car on the side of a cliff and he got yeah i thought that whole scene was really cool very similar to a scene in living daylights with timothy dalton his yep. first movie where he chases down a car while uh riding down a snowy hill in a cello case <laughs> in a cello case mm-hmm. all right that's cool you know i mean you got to do what you got to do when you're james bond sometimes you have to get in an airplane get kicked out of that airplane and then jump off of a cliff back into that same airplane and get it up off the ground before it hits you know is that's that, true does that happen or that sometimes in uh, golden eye sometimes <laughs> oh you God. ski off a cliff jump out and then you have a parachute that's a union jack see exactly Whichever, you know there's lots of ones. union jack parachutes all all over the place that's the best kind of parachute alina what was your favorite part um I really liked all his suits, to be honest. He had so many in this one. He, but, d- he had some good suits. Yeah, they were amazing. Uh, I also love, just at the very start, his casual stroll across all the rooftops, just like, this is my life. Yeah, I, I like his casual stroll, but at the same time, there's something that bugs me about his walk. Like, I think he's a little duck-footed, and he kind of, like, kicks his feet out every step he takes. And it kind of, like, for whatever reason, it bugs me a little. But at the same time, I like it because it does look really casual and just, like, matter of fact, whatever. Yeah. Funny you mention that. I disliked his walk when he was leaving MI6 after M chewed him out, you know? Yeah. And uh, then Moneypenny, like, chases him down. Like, hey, I've got this box of stuff for you. Like, he's walking very duck-footed then. Yeah, exactly. I've kind of noticed that in a few of the movies where he does sort of just do that weird little... And he like, kind of moves his hip a little. Yeah, exactly. Like, his feet are um, pointed outwards. What's her face in Man from Uncle? Yeah, exactly. Just like Alicia Vikander from yeah. uh, Man from Uncle. Okay. It's just, yeah, it bugs me. I, I never know. thought about that, but now that I think about it, is he does walk like that. Yeah, he's he just, just like, kicks his, what up, I'm out of here. But at the same time, like, the dude the dude does wear, like, even though he walks weird, when he's wearing that suit, it's like, I can't even, I can't even fault him for it, because the suit looks so freaking good. Like, I don't know. It does look good. Like I wish that I could get suits fitted that well. What was well, his, what was if his you best had six thousand dollars, that's was what each suit cost basically, because they're all Tom Ford uh, custom tailored. Holy crap! What was your favorite suit in the whole movie? I don't know. I would need to watch it again. Probably uh, favorite outfit. I don't know. One at the start, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to watch it. Which again. Which one with the skeleton? The uh, one, the one the that one. he rips the skeleton yeah. off of the blue one. Yeah. That he sits um, on the rooftop I like the with. skeleton one. Even I want that. his, like, cool. snow... It was just, like, rolled-up jeans and boots and, like, the yeah. black winter Yeah, that still like, looked good. I was like, that's a pretty baller snow outfit. Oh, yeah. I liked his desert suit. Yeah. Desert suit was pretty good. He has, Glad like, he the, that one. the red woven tie and, like, the rolled-up khakis. It kind of and... looked like a very modern take on some of the, like, very traditional Bond ones with the, like, linen suits yeah, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. My favorite was the uh, funeral suit, where he has the collar oh, bar, yeah, you know, and the Tom Ford sunglasses. Sharp. The only thing that bugged me is his collar bar was crooked. That that did bug me. <laughs> <laughs> I know this looks so nitpicky and like weird. <laughs> Jeez. Although I, I think I'm not sure if it was the 
the collar bar was crooked, but or it seemed angle. like the tie knot. The tie could have been wasn't yeah. perfectly straight. Yeah. It wasn't the double Windsor you'd want. But serious. I feel like if it's James Somebody's Bond, they should that. actually take time to make sure his suit looks good. Right? You'd think. I mean, the but, suit looks good. It's just like, yeah, well, the also the problem, area. All the little stuff. Problem, so the yeah. problem you get with a collar bar is that you can't tie a thick double Windsor like James Bond usually does. That's true. So they probably right. singled it, huh? They probably the single Windsor, which is more left heavy. Yep. You know, so then, then it made it look yeah. crooked. Ah, that that makes sense. We figured out the tie knot problem, guys. So, <laughs> don't, don't worry, listeners. We're, we got your back. Um, my, I think my favorite scene was when he's escaping uh, the. Uh, crater layer mm-hmm. and as he pushes open you know they blow up uh, the stand the chair that uh, Oberhauser's on and push through the door knocks the guy down grabs the gun yeah yeah and just the whole progression from there up to the helipad I thought was pretty awesome that was Where really cool picking dudes off and shoots the gas main that that scene despite the fact that like he probably shouldn't have been that cognizant was still awesome. insanely cool and yeah I, I think the best part is when He's they're making way towards the stairs, and he pop, you know pops off a few guys, uh-huh. adjusts again, and kicks out the uh, the little yeah the the boot or whatever it's called yeah the, the boot the of the stock. gun the yeah, stock, stock of the gun kicks go. it out then just you know, one shoots the guys the two guys on the stairs uh-huh. and then keeps trying for the last guy up at the helipad can't get him stops for a half second takes aim cracks him with one and then goes <laughs> so good. That was probably, to me, the most baller moment of the entire movie. I think the funniest moment was when, like, they get to L'American, and he's like, oh, you came here as a kid? Hmm. Sorry. And then just demolishes <laughs> the whole place. I liked the, when they're when they're in the, the um, rehab or therapy, whatever it is, place, yeah. and, like, the guards start to come on him, and he just, like, he points at the one dude, he's like, don't, or whatever. What does he say when he does? I can't remember what he says, but. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah. He, he hits says, the one guy. Says, stay. Takes, so, yeah, yeah, stay. Stay. <laughs> and the guy's like, just puts his hands up. Yeah, no, I, so I did like that part. No, I enjoyed in the in Lamarican when he wakes up and sees the rat on the floor. <laughs> oh my god! He's like, who sent you? <laughs> who do you work for? That's and hilarious. I'm, like, I'm sitting there really hoping he shoots the cute little mouse. I know. I'm like, <laughs> how drunk is Bond right now? Is he going to shoot him? I think he might. He seems like he might want to do it. I know. It's been established that, like, because especially Daniel Craig Bond drinks even more than, than any of the others. And the others drink a lot. But, like. Well, I don't think he drinks more, but he's drunk more. Yeah, it's true. It he's, establishes him as, like, the sweaty alcoholic. Yeah, I did <laughs> notice that he was sweaty all the time. And I'm like, man, he looks, like, out of it. Like, he yeah. looks sick. Like, same with in Skyfall, that one, the beginning scene in Skyfall when he's on the island and he's just, like, completely plastered out of his mind watching well, the news. To be fair, both times he's in a hot, humid climate. That's fair. Yeah. It just adds hey, to the effect. Hey, this is the bond that stoops so low as to drink Heineken, so <laughs> I don't, uh, I think he does have a real problem now. When, I mean, Dr. Swan asked him and he said he drinks too much. Yeah, it's true. Oh, yeah. That's that, true. That scene was also pretty good. Like, his... Do you work out? When I have to, <laughs> yeah. When I have to, yeah. I know. I love that little interview and like the the slow unraveling of it, where you know he finally gets to the point where he's like, "I kill people," you know, the really sort of thing that looks good on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I loved that. What did you guys think of the the actress that played Swan, the the blonde girl, Leia Sado? Leia Sado. Yeah. What did you think of her? I, I liked her. There. Kind of understated. She was a little understated. I felt like she, like, in a weird way, she sort of fit the bill for a Bond girl, and at the same time, she was very different from most Bond girls. She was very good, I thought. I, um, yeah, I liked it. 
I, I think she doesn't have much of the damsel in distress. Definitely. That I think is we're used to. Yeah, you there know, was it, that really good impactful scene when she, you know, like uh, takes all the ammo out of the gun or whatever and just shoots mm-hmm. it while staring at him cold in the eye. I thought the best one is that she's in like her evening gown sort of thing, you know, nice dress mm-hmm. as Bond is being beaten up by Mr. Hinks in the train. Yeah. And as he's about to throw her, throw him out, she pops in and like full on, you know, Unloads locked and loaded and just like shoots him in the arm, in the <laughs> elbow. And then, like, pursues after him, still cracking off a couple. Yeah. You know, and she's in the full-on stance, you know, having perfect aim and stability. You're like, whoa. That this was, chick don't mess around. That was good. I, I liked, speaking of Mr. Mister Hinks, uh, the train fight was really cool. But I think the helicopter fight was, was probably one of the best moments in the movie. So, the helicopter fight was intense. The train fight was brutal. That's true. That there, was vicious. Okay, one moment that I can't stand, like, I, I, I like it for effect, but I always hate it in that movie, is when somebody, like, you know, is, like, putting tension on somebody's skull, and you start to hear that little popping sound oh. that they added in there when he was putting on his skull. I was like, oh! <laughs> it just, it, it skeeves me out. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. One thing, though, Mr. Hinks's gun super badass double barrel yeah. handgun i know when he when he shoots the plane and just starts like perforating the side of this plane you're like what the heck and bond's face too as he does that he's kind of like uh also oh, yeah. i love how he that. doesn't say anything he never says a word he yeah. says one word he says cute yeah, wait well well no he says shit right at the end i thought he said cute no he says shit no yeah he yeah. says cute said we've seen it three times i, yeah, I, I still stand by i swear okay. he said he goes uh Go, go watch it again. But it's like when they ask for anybody who wants to take that one guy's job at the yeah. you know, meeting. He's that, like, state your credentials, and then just proceeds to smack him into the table and then gouges his eyes like, out with his thumbs. I like the awkward like silence that's in there. Like the guy that looks like um, Jamie Lannister is like sitting in the chair and just like kind of waiting for him. Like kind of scoots away so that he can you know so that he can get to the mic and just is like looking at him and like looks away. There's like a whole like ten seconds there after they ask him before he finally just like smashes his head and like picks him up and just that was kind of brutal, but it was like funny in a weird way. Like, well, then I also liked how afterwards he just looks at his thumbs, uh, gets the handkerchief out, and I'll clean these off. Yeah, did he have like metal? That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Like, does he have like because they're know, like metal silver? Thumbnails or it something? looked like he had like banjo thumb picks or something. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought that was cool. I thought that was more that was really Bond. Thing yeah, to I have, thought it was yeah. pretty cool to have like a villain because usually villains have like one weird thing about them. Yep, like uh, Jaws or or yeah, like, uh, Le Chief or yeah, whoever, they all, yeah. yeah, they always have a, all of them. Yeah, something so, something about him, and it was like, oh, that's cool. He has thumbs that he gouges people's eyes out. Yeah, but I did just get reminded of something that I don't like about this movie. Huh? So Aston Martin makes a DB10 just for this movie. Yep. Now, the DB series in Aston Martin has been going on for 60 years, and it's gone from DB1 all the way to DB9, and now the DB10 doesn't exist for any customers. It's just for this movie. They made 10 of them, and that's it. So no one will ever own a DB10, which that's bugs lame. me. And now in this Bond world, that car is supposed to be a car that exists and doesn't draw any special attention, but we'll never be able to get one. But at the same time, Mr. Hinks's car is like a four-year-old concept car that yeah. never came into existence from Jaguar. The cars don't make any sense. Now me as a car enthusiast, I can't be in this movie. This doesn't exist. It's I know. Real. I was the I same know. way. I was Sorry. like, I was watching that. I was like, man, like, 
either like both of these organizations are like insanely well connected that like because like for in order for him to have a db10 that means that they would have had to get a db10 from this movie being filmed in order to have a db10 so then it it creates this weird time paradox yeah and then plus also you could just go maybe it's in the future you know the car exists but it doesn't right now so maybe it exists okay but then, oh, and that means this Jaguar is even older than it is now. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah, uh, like, you know, maybe maybe I Spectre's know. connected enough that they can get their hands on a concept car for their Hitman or something. But I know we were all thinking the same thing. I'm All of us. Every single one of us without exception. Yeah, absolutely. But the parking lot, when he goes and joins up with the, the Spectre meeting. Yes. Parking lot's full of some pretty awesome vehicles. I know. I, I like watching that scene for that, especially because it does just that long, that really long pan throughout all the pillars where you're looking at every single car in the lot as he's walking by. Although I do really appreciate the drift shots they had with uh, the Aston Martin, which apparently, so, you know, uh, this, you know, Top Gear. Yeah, uh, of course. So the second Stig mm-hmm. is their stunt driver. Oh, that's funny. He couldn't get that car to kick out and drift. Really? They had to go and get special, um, just super slippy tires to That's stick on there. That's some insane traction control. This little concept car they made for the movie had such good handling that they couldn't get it to kick out. And huh. I thought that was pretty interesting. That also really funny, interesting. The, when uh, Q shows off the DB10 to Bond, that little room that he's in, his little workshop, is actually Aston Martin's workshop. Really? So they made the car in the workshop that they're showing it off in in the movie. That little tunnel-y type thing? Yeah. And so when he's talking to, uh, uh, when Bond's talking to Q over at his desk and he's saying, can you do one more thing for me? Make me disappear. You know, you can see in the background there's a couple other Aston Martins out of focus that are just random uh, chassis that they were working on. They just left there for the shooting. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I really liked Q in this movie, by the way. Like, if there's one favorite person out of this entire movie, it's definitely Q. Q's baller. I yeah. like him. <laughs> he's, he's, a good, he's a good new Q. I love when Bond is like, oh, like, I need to disappear for a little while. He's like, oh, yeah, the blood track, he doesn't work for 24... 48 <laughs> <laughs> hours. <laughs> oh, one more thing, 007. I forgot to remind you. Um, for the first 20... Uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there may be a drop in coverage for the first 24... 48 hours? Yes, okay. <laughs> Such a great... I, I did love that. I, and I love that about Daniel Craig. Is his, his presence as Bond, there's so many times where he'll give people a look that just makes them either stand down or change their mind on something or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. I like that, that belittling that he does. Do you like the theme of uh, saying that mass surveillance is a bad thing? Yes. I that was, enjoyed that. That was quite nice. Especially, I, I did like... Uh, I actually did like Moriarty's character, although I feel like... They could have done a little more with him. Andrew Scott. Yeah, Andrew Scott. I, I just call him Moriarty. Fair enough. Especially now that he's going to be in a movie with Harry Potter and Professor Xavier. I'm really excited about that. Victor Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, what? I saw, the, I saw the preview for it yesterday, and I was like, huh, huh. Professor Xavier, Moriarty, and Harry Potter walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a really dumb joke in my head. I don't have a punchline for it yet, but I'll figure one out eventually. So overall, how would you rate this movie? I'm saying 005 out of 007. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> what about you, Chase? I have to think about that. Okay, we'll move, we'll move on. We can come back to you. What about right. you, Alina? I'd say 7 out of 8 ta- Tom Ford suits. <laughs> I'd give it uh, DB 10 out of 10. Really? I think wow. it's a fantastic movie. Wow. 
definitely higher than the rest of us, unless Chase has has a surprising answer. Well, I already told you I wasn't. I yeah, I know you are. That much is he? Well, no, of course, surprising. yeah. That's that's why it would be surprising if you did rate us uh, rate it really high. But what's what are you thinking, man? I'm trying to come up with a cool little thing that you guys did, but I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. There was. Um, oh shoot, that's hard. I give Stop. it. I give it. Um, one thumb gouge eye out thumb up out of two. <laughs> one one gouging thumb up out of two. Yes, you said there it better than I Perfect. did, but that's what I was going for. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, as as we kind of launch, you know, out of the stratosphere from the watchtower, um, what's you know, if if we're talking in terms of Bond movies and everything, what is your favorite Bond movie out of all of the ones you've seen? Personally, I would say Casino Royale. Yeah. Casino Royale is a really good one. What about you, Chase? I've only ever seen four. Yeah. Um, I'll let, actually, I'm going to go watch the, rewatch all the, all the Daniel Craig ones. I'll let you know later. But so far, the more one I mo- enjoyed the most would probably be Skyfall. Skyfall? I like Skyfall. I, for me, I think that uh, it's, it's, it's been tough. I mean, my, most of the Bond movies I've seen are Daniel Craig. Um, and so I'm going to watch, you know... Go back and rewatch a lot of them, um, but uh, right now I, it's it's tough between Skyfall and Casino Royale. I, I think I would give the edge to Casino Royale just because I do hate the childhood elements of Skyfall, but I don't know. It's still a beautiful movie. What about you, Kev? It's uh, it's tough. Um, I'm not even sure which is my favorite Daniel Craig movie, let alone wow. what my favorite James Bond movie is. Um, my favorite James Bond movie of all of them is, is probably um, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, um, George Lazenby. And I I think it's because you don't get too tied up into Bond himself. I mean, you know, Roger Moore is quite a character. Sean Connery is quite a character. But Lazenby is, you know, kind of a nobody. Yeah. And doesn't overdo it. And so you really just He's have to, to just enjoy the right story. It, yeah. I mean, it's... If you want to see Bond's character develop that doesn't go into his childhood, mm-hmm. that's the movie to see. Totally. You know, and you kind of... I think it's it shows more of Bond, and it's more of what makes Bond who he is thereafter, that movie. Yeah. Uh, but for these ones... <sighs> I really enjoyed Casino Royale when it came out. I really enjoyed Skyfall a lot. Uh, and I... Because I'm a Bond nerd, I think I enjoyed... Spectre even more than yeah. most people probably would. I think I think the the establishment of knowing so much Bond stuff definitely makes it more enjoyable because yeah. there are so many homages. So I, I think probably my favorite uh, Bond movie uh, of Daniel Craig is probably Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Nice. So what you're saying is you like all Bond movies more than any of us like our favorite Bond movie. <laughs> <laughs> more or less. <laughs> That's kind of hilarious. Um... Well, all right. That's uh, I think that about does it for uh, for this episode. Uh, be sure to follow us on any social network at that might be cool. Uh, leave us ratings and reviews. Um, send us emails, feedback at that might be cool dot com. Let us know what you thought of Spectre, what some of your favorite parts were, what some of the parts were that you that you hated, um, or if there's anything you know that we that we got wrong or that we missed that you think we should bring up, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it on the next episode. But uh, until then, have a great time with your face. I don't know.